back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Andy Melifarina, a comedian and podcaster out of New Jersey. Andy started doing stand-up in 2012 while at Kutztown University, and he just got back from Skankfest in Las Vegas with his Panties in the Mouth co-hosts, LaMare Lee and Nate Marshall. Andy's got another podcast with Pat George called Drag the Lake, among all his other work. Oh, yeah, he also does stand-up, so go see him. We talked a lot about crowd work, sandwiches, and going to the bathroom. It's a fun one. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Sign up for the Patreon. It's just five bucks. Also, follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook or go to homebrewedcomedy.com to see all of my dates. Thanks again. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Outside your bedroom, I, I hope they let me in. Thanks so much for doing this, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. I actually, we've never met, but no, your name. I think it's it's one of those names you see on a poster. And I work with a lot of Pennsylvania people, so I've heard your name for probably four or five years. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say it was good, but <laughs> you know, no, I mean, are you pretty well traveled or on like Jersey and Pennsylvania and that, you know, that, that scene like Allentown? Yeah, more, more or less. I get um my main, I was about to say moving and shaking. And then I just uh, uh, crumbled into myself and self-hatred. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my main moving abouts uh, is probably just, yeah, Jersey, PA and uh, New York. But uh, I, yeah, I started I started in like the Allentown area. Yeah, I don't know really what that's always like shifting because like, you know, Allentown's never going to be like, you know, the Mecca yeah. <laughs> of com. Although it was the Mecca of wrestling for a while. So Allentown's Allentown's sneaky like that. You, It'll be mad uh, Allentown PA if anyone because I think there's like an Allentown, California or some shit like that. But if anyone doesn't know Allentown PA, it used to be like a fucking hub for wrestling and shit like i was watching uh jimmy superfly snooker there's the dark side of the ring where he oh, yeah. uh where he allegedly and i say allegedly with a lot of uh it's a soft allegedly or no a hard alleged whatever basically oh, he, there's a lot, there's did, a lot of ev- yeah there's a lot of evidence it. to support that allegedly uh <laughs> but it was just it was funny where i'm watching this like oh my god he did that to the woman oh that's the fairgrounds oh my gosh <laughs> I'm watching it like a fucking basic bitch. But yeah, no, Allentown, um, there's always like fun stuff to do there. Allentown's never like the end game for a comedian or anything, but there's enough shit going on in Allentown where it's actually like a half decent place to start because it's like there's nothing like you don't get spoiled. There's enough comedy to do something almost every night, but it's all like a little bit of a drive. So you don't get spoiled where it's down the street and you can be lazy about it. But um, if you actually want to do it, you have to go drive places. So it kind of like tests how much you actually want to do it where you're like, all right, do I, I want to learn how to do, do comedy, but do I want to drive 45 minutes to go do five minutes? Is that, you know, I think it's like a decent place to start kind of, it's set up in a way that it like, you got to got to prove that you want to do it. Yeah. I have family down there. So okay. like, my aunt and uncle live in like Allentown proper. Gotcha. And in fact, I think when it was either when Jimmy Snooker died or when they came to the conclusion of the case. Yeah. But I was there at their house and I saw the article in the morning call. I mean, it, it was a local thing. So, yeah, it was a big deal. You know, it's weird. I, I grew up watching 80s wrestling 
90s wrestling. I, we used to go to Wegmans. Like, we <laughs> went to Wegmans to get the VHS tapes. That's how old I am. That's one of the biggest things I miss about PA. There are Wegmans in Jersey, but the closest one's like a good 30 minutes. So, like, I never fucking go there to get groceries and stuff. Wegmans top tier pre-made food. Yes. Yeah. My girlfriend lives in Delaware, so she'll come up here and I'll be working. And she's like, oh, let me go get something. And she'll run out and she'll grab, like, got to be like $30 worth of Wegmans food. Yeah. And it's all good. Yeah. And they set it up in a way that, like, half the parking lot, you have to walk through the pre-made food. And, like, I remember now I got to go back and double check because I thought, like, where I lived in central PA, like, I thought our food was good, and then I moved to Jersey, and I was like, it's not that good. <laughs> so I got to go. But I remember Wegmans having, like, decent subs and shit like that. But I got to yes. go back and double check. What's central Pennsylvania for? Where'd you grow up? Well, so I grew up right outside Allentown, if anyone knows Trexlertown. But oh, like yeah. my, my address was Allentown, um, which if anyone, if people listening don't know that, Bethlehem's usually what they know. So I was, like, 20 minutes away from Bethlehem, living out in the suburbs, and, like, yeah, when I say Central PA, I sort of imagine that stretch between like the Poconos don't really count as Central PA, but like that stretch between like Bethlehem out to like Lancaster, all that stuff that sort of encompasses that. That was like the main place I'd go around and do comedy and shit. So me and everyone else I started with, we all kind of looked at ourselves as like Central PA comics. Yeah, I mean, it's a big fucking state. Big ass state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. I'm a big Boy Meets World fan. Yeah, that was the shit back in the day. It was great. Still is. But I'm like, every time I think about what a big state Pennsylvania is, I think back to the time where Topanga came all the way from Pittsburgh Hmm. to Philly. And I think Alan's like, yeah, it's six hours. I'm like, holy fuck. That's a that's a big state. Yeah, that's it's a fucking. Yeah, I just did that a couple months ago. I did that with Robbie Bernstein and we're just fucking. We're just fucking driving. It's a you forget Pittsburgh's like a fucking trip. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's like six hours. And then when you get there, they have nothing good to fucking eat. <laughs> All right. So I've never had a Primani Brothers. I didn't either. And the reason why is like whenever I'm going out on the road to do things, I like to figure out what the thing is to eat. You know what I mean? I like to figure out what the thing is to that local town to eat. And we're in Pittsburgh. And we were asking everybody there. They're like, what do you what do you get? What do you get? And they like. They would like reluctantly be like Permanthe brothers, but it's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Like no one and like Permanthe brothers is like I'm a big fan of sandwiches. I like sandwiches a lot, but like their whole thing is they're like we throw the French fries on the sandwich, which I'm a big fan of sandwiches. I'm a big fan of fries. I think putting them together is overdoing it. I'm not like anti like a fat boy sandwich. In a general sense, because actually in Jersey, there's literally things sandwiches called the fat boy. But in a general sense, I'm not a, I'm not against like just a big fat fuck of a sandwich. But when you combine the type of carb that bread is with the type of carb that like a French fry is, although I will put an asterisk next to that and say I could fuck with some like curly fries on a sandwich. I could. Yes. But, it, but like if the regular long cut fries. It's just overdoing it because I remember I've done a bunch of fat research in the past and I used to work (laughs) at a pizza place and I took the French fries and I put them inside a calzone and it was just too much. It was ridiculous. Too many of the wrong carbs mixing. Like you ever get like a bacon, egg and cheese and put a hash brown on it? No, but it sounds great. Yeah, my buddy, my buddy, who's also he's like a much more exceptionally fat man than me. (laughs) He got me hip to that. And I can't like when I make them at home, I don't like have hash browns just sitting around like that. 
Because that feels like a weird thing to have at home. You know what I mean? Like the frozen hash brown you get from McDonald's. Yeah. That seems like a weird thing to enter into your house. You my get ex- that outside. My ex-girlfriend introduced them to me. Like, she's like, yeah, if you go here, they're $2 a pack. And I'm like, that's great. But I will still rather pay $2 for one at McDonald's. Yeah. I that The hash brown like that shouldn't pass the entrance of you. It, you, should, you shouldn't let it in. Like, just like a vampire. You shouldn't fucking let it in. Whenever I get a sandwich, bacon, egg, and cheese out and about, I will often get the hash brown on it. Because you're like, okay, Andy, but that breaks your fucking rule. And it's like, no, you get the soft Kaiser roll, because that's usually what I do. You could get whatever the fuck you want. I usually do the soft Kaiser roll. Then you have the hard, crispy hash brown. And it's, you know, different textures. It's really a texture game. That's why when you see these, when you go on Instagram and they're just, they just have like a mountain and mountain of toppings on your sandwich. And it's just like, you got too many They'll have like too many similar textures and then it all just feels like a pile of trash in your mouth. All right. This is something I learned from my grandpa in Allentown or Slatington. But what's your stance on potato chips in a sandwich? Uh, I don't do it a lot. But once again, that falls the texture rule. I think it's okay. Yeah. It's not like my main. I remember I thought it was weird when I was a little kid. Then I tried it when I grew up and I was like, that's not bad. It's not like my main shit, but it's not bad. No, I think it depends on the flavor. Like. If you have, I forget what they have. It's like in that area, it's like a lard based chip. I okay. Know, I want to say it's Terrell's, but I don't think it's Terrell's. Hertz? No. Hers, I, I mean. Hers. That's what it is. It's with hers. the girl on the cover. Yes. Yeah. So they, I think they used to buy them in like these cardboard boxes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And they're just plain and ripple or ridged. And yeah, we put them in there and God, it's, it tastes so great. Actually, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You get the ripple on top of that. Yeah, you get the with like how because those are the hers chips are exceptionally salty. I remember eating those. They are exceptionally salty. So you know what? Like throwing that on a sandwich, that would be like some good. It might be excessive if you're throwing it with pastrami because that's already salty as shit. But yeah, dude, with like some turkey or some ham. Yep. Ham and cheese. I feel like that would go fantastic. No, and I'm a big texture guy with sandwiches. Like I like just a plain sandwich. Like I like like. Just regular bread, nothing fancy. But I yeah. love mayo and ham and cheese. And just the when you get the the sandwich between the roof of your mouth and your tongue, like ah, I just I like that feeling. Yeah, it's weird. I like to add some like uh, like some leafy lettuce. I learned that where if you're doing a sandwich, you definitely want to go leafy lettuce. People try to go iceberg, and the only people that figure that out. This is going to get super specific, but like whenever you have Mexicans running like a burger place type of place and they'll make burgers and a lot of times they'll put shredded lettuce because they also will have like burritos and stuff on the menu. So rather than getting two types of lettuce, they just do shredded lettuce for everything. And I've noticed that when I've noticed like there'll be like a Mexican family owning the spot and they put the shredded lettuce or I'm sorry, the iceberg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw that on a burger. That tastes pretty good. I never have lettuce in the house. Like, no, if I get, I, like so a, I have to like always a, remind myself, actually, I just went before doing this. I just went grocery shopping and it was I was about to go to the checkout line. I was like, I forgot lettuce. It's like you don't. That's another thing you don't think to have at home. No, my girlfriend will make fun of me. She's will go shopping and she'll come to a head of lettuce or a carrot or whatever. It's like, hey, this thing with the green on it, that means it's a vegetable. You can buy <laughs> these, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but. Swiss rolls are right over here. So <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's a thing I still can't believe I haven't figured out or gotten over from just 
There's just like one thing I really figured out. I remember, I was talking to I was talking to Lemare about this, who I do a uh, pays in the mouth with Lemare Lee. Oh, yeah. I was talking I was talking to him about that. Like I still have I just got over this recently in the past year or two, but like I still have layover from my childhood of just like books are gay, you know, like that dumb <laughs> that dumb thing. I worked that out of my system pretty good in the past couple of years, but the one I still have hanging over is just like I'm also like vegetables are fucking stupid, and I'm like <laughs> now that I'm fucking now that I'm thirty two and my body feels like I'm fucking forty, I'm like I think there's something to these vegetables. I think you should probably eat your vegetables. I'm starting to realize that now. Yeah, I'm I'm thirty nine, and for like fifteen minutes a couple of days ago, I just I was on a stepper, just listening to my knees crack. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're grinding. Like, yeah. I probably should have eaten a vitamin or two. Yeah, that's been a big thing for me is trying to get over all that. Like when I was in, when I was in like my 20s, I was big, like just focusing on whatever was fun, you know, just trying not to do a whole lot of work, just hanging out, just making focus on fun. And now that I'm like 32 and I don't have any money, I'm like, I wish I would have learned things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have learned how to do shit. All I'm good at right now. And now. It helps with the podcast and comedy and stuff like that. But I'm like, all I'm good at right now is telling you what you look like or telling you what's gay and not gay. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you known Lemaire? Him, basically, he started about... Actually, I don't know when he started comedy, but it was pretty... uh, It was around the same time as me, and then I started to notice him about six months after I started. So pretty much from more or less day one, not day one one, but first year. I just met him at Chris Williams' wedding. I don't know if you know Chris Williams, but Chris uh, Williams. He's yeah. out of Lewisburg. Philly? Oh, okay. He was in Philly for a little bit, but he's in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Came out out of like Peck Sinus. But he does a lot of stuff in central Pennsylvania. And uh he and Lemare are buddies. But I, I've known Lemare the name for I don't know, two, three years. Cause he he'd go Oh, out, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. He, yeah he'd go I know out Chris. With, yeah, he'd go out with like Zach Hammond. And yeah, you so, know what? I haven't fucking seen Chris in forever. I forgot his fucking last name. <laughs> well, that's because William's a stage name. Oh, okay. So that, that's probably why. Because he's gotcha, a teacher. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He's a teacher and, and he doesn't want anybody Googling the crazy shit he says on stage. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was, dude, I was afraid of that for a while. I would, I would never put my real name on social media because I was just, I got shook about that. I got, I, thankfully, I got over that. I wish I would have gotten over that way earlier, but I didn't put like, my real name on shit for the longest time was there any reason i mean i mean i know you're shook for that but like was there an instance that kind of bit you i don't know honestly it was just it was just this fear of like something fucking really bad was going to happen but then it didn't logically match up with it's like well you want to get bigger in comedy so they're going to know your real fucking name you know what i mean so it was actually like a super freeing experience when i finally like on all my social media just put because i would always like for the longest time I would just put like, I remember my first podcast was called Hear Andy Talk. So all my, all my social media was Hear Andy Talk. And then I changed it to like Andy Got Jokes because I remember her, I heard someone make a reference to that show, Who Got Jokes? Yeah. And it just made me laugh to call it Andy. And then for, and then I finally was just like, just put Malafrina on there, dude. You're being goofy as shit. It was freeing. It felt like I could be myself. <laughs> when I when I was at college, I, I went to school for journalism and I toyed around with the idea, like if I got a job, at ESPN, or if I got a job at a newspaper somewhere, what name would I use? And I don't love the name Peters because, you know, obvious reasons it sounds like yeah. a dick. So I really like my grandma's name, Ruspentini, which, you know, you can make. Oh, and that, that sticks out. It does. So I thought, okay, well, if I go and write professionally, Mike Ruspentini would be cool. 
And it might have been. But then I was like, what's my dad going to think? Like, he's going to. Yeah, your dad's going to think you're trying to be like, I don't fucking like your name, dad. Right, right. And I don't mind. Listen, he named me. His name, Barry, is my middle name. I hate that one. But (laughs) I'm okay with being Mike Peters. You know, not the actual person, but the name. But yeah, I just didn't know what he would say. Mm -hmm. But like when I started doing comedy, you know, it was just Mike Peters. And then the only time I thought a stage name was an option for me was I went to an open mic and uh, the host was a a black woman. And she goes, "Uh, what's your name? And I said, Mike Peters. She goes, you're going to go with that. (laughs) I was was like, well, yeah, I'm like, it's worked the last 33 years. Why not? (laughs) But I'm like, oh, she means a stage name. Okay, so. Well, also in the black comedy scene, you do have uh, it's not all the time, but you you more often will have like a stage name. than You do in other areas of comedy. Yeah, I was just like, I was caught off guard. <laughs> I was like, no, oh. it will. Yeah, the, it is funny, too, though, when you are presented with the what was the other one? Russ Benini? Russ Bentini, right. Russ Bentini, it does hit, dude. It does. <laughs> it does <laughs> hit. But, you know, you, would, got, you got teeny weeny in that, too. So, like, it, it, you know, every oh, name. Dude, you, yeah. you can't. We got to teach that to kids way earlier. It's like a life hack to find out, like, everyone's going to make fun of anything yeah. for fucking anything. Like, who the fuck were we? Because I was talking to my one buddy because his last name is literally Butts, B-U-T-T-S. <laughs> it's Butts. And he was like, yeah, high school was brutal. I was like, yeah. But like, bro, I remember in high school, me and my friends made fun of my buddy because he was the first one to get pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which is insane. It's all we wanted to do in high school. It's the only thing we wanted to do in high school was just get pussy. And then our fucking buddy, Tony, or whoever the fuck he was, finally got pussy. And we were just like, you know, if he came in tired, we were like, oh, you're probably fucking fucking too much, huh? Did it, you know, we were making like we figured out ways to make fun of dudes for getting pussy. So it's like it's not about that's a life hack kids should fucking get. It's not about the fucking jokes. It's about trying to just fuck with someone else or yeah. trying to like dominate them in the exchange. <laughs> I used to be called a gym class all-star all the time. And that's how people got me. Cause I tried hard. I'm like, listen, if I play basketball with my buddies, they know not to pass to me. These guys in gym class haven't figured that out yet. So I try really, really hard. But when I was at work I worked at a nursing home and they called me all-star and yeah. I tried my hardest. And finally I, I kind of got like fed up with it. I'm like, I'm like, Hey Bill, man, why do you guys make fun of me so much? And he goes, Peters, think of it this way. If we didn't make fun of you, we wouldn't talk to you at all. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, all right, I'd rather be made fun of than be ignored. That's so true. I was thinking about it when I was hanging out with this one, the one I was hanging out with this one group of people outside a club or whatever. And you have like the main group you like. And then there's like two or three people there who I'm like, I don't hate them, but I don't really fuck with them. And like, I'm saying like the most horrendous shit to my one friends who like, I love them the most and the people who I don't really fuck with. I'm just kind of being like, cause it's like, I don't, I don't know you like that. And then you get people who you fucking like, you fucking hate and you want to say that horrendous shit to them, but it like, it comes off insane because you're like, no, when I say it to you, I mean it. When I say it to that guy, I'm just busting his fucking balls. Yeah. No, I'll say the, the, you'll say the meanest, craziest shit to like the people you love it's weird and especially too i feel like uh i feel like with dudes because there's a, that whole level of like you can't be like emotional so it's that weird that's where i always say gay jokes come from like why the boys love fucking gay jokes so much because it's like i'm not allowed to say i love you buddy so i have to make up some crazy scenario about like how i'd fucking bend you over and hollow you out that's actually really my way of saying i appreciate that you're always there for me <laughs> <laughs> when did you start doing comedy uh, I'm coming up on 10 years. Oh, I remember it was um it was the last semester of college. So, yeah, it would be about 
Oh, shit. I think it was like 10 years around, right? No, no. It was 10 years a couple months ago. So it meant a lot to you. Maybe it's nine or I, well, I can't remember. It's always at the end of the year. It's like nine or 10 ago, whatever. the right. fuck. Um, no, it was uh, my la- it was like my last semester of college. And I always had uh, I always liked stand up comedy. But I all I knew was like the Bill Burrs and the Patrices and the fucking Louis C.K.'s tough like, crowd. yeah, I, yeah. Tough. Well, tough crowd was my shit. I still to this day think tough crowds, the best non scripted show ever made. It's fucking. And, and of course, my favorite fucking show it's not you can't find it anywhere the no. only place you can find it is re-upload vhs's on fucking youtube it's crazy i could go on fucking uh, uh paramount or whichever streaming service it is and there's like there's like a thousand comedy central shows that only got one season i can watch those but i can't watch tough crowd it's crazy but i wonder if that's because it was topical maybe because i don't know that shit still hits oh no i know but like i don't know how like what the backlog is the archive for the daily show Things like that. Like, I just don't know if they're because there's so many. And Tough Crowd, wasn't that on? Was that on four times a week or five? Or was it just once a week? That's a good question. I don't I remember. Don't I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah, because I watched it. I watched it a little bit as a kid. And then when I started doing comedy, I remember I had a job in I had a job in a kitchen. So I would work nights a lot. I would I'd start working around 4 p.m. So most of my days, because I, I wasn't I was still young as fuck, so I didn't have like adult responsibilities. So I didn't I wasn't getting into a lot during the day. So during the day, during the week, if uh, I had to work, I usually woke up around like 10 or 11, played video games all day and just listened to like old ONA and old tough crowd episodes on fucking YouTube. So that's where I did. Like I watched a bunch when I was a kid, but I, I did a shitload of it, like sort of towards the end of college when I worked in that restaurant. Where'd you go to college? Goodstown. My first roommate, I went to Mansfield. Oh, okay. One of my first roommates, he just, we went away for winter break. He didn't come back. He was like, he's alive. We just, he just went to Goodstown. (laughs) Sorry, I'm watching fucking, I've been watching uh, true crime docs all day. So my brain, my brain just went to like, oh no, what happened to him? I saw in the eyes. <laughs> I swear to God, when you said that and he didn't come back, I thought it was going to be like, oh, and that's where the episode ends. And then we're going to have a cliff. <laughs> that's the cliffhanger. No, no, no. He just he went to Kutztown. And I'm like, oh, that, you know, I think that might have been when I found out what Kutztown was. Yeah, it's not, I'm, I'm a New Yorker who went to Pennsylvania. Yeah, Kutztown doesn't have a shitload. I guess a nice town. It's a nice town. You know, it's probably a good place to raise a family, do all that shit. Raise a family, have a family, raise some kids, whatever the fuck. Either way. Yeah, it's a good place to start a family and shit like that. But there's nothing really like, oh, that's the th-. there's good stuff there. Like there's this diner there called Letterman's that was always like a primo hangover spot because it would be cheap. And like if you ordered hash browns, he would just give you a shit ton of them and they'd make giant pan. It was a great fucking hangover spot. And it was fun, too, because it was really small. Like the dude who rang you up at the end of the shit would also be making the food. It was there was like three people that worked there. You would see him open up the fridge to go grab the bacon or whatever that he was about to cook for you. It was like a cool ass spot. And then they had this like stuffed pretzel spot where it was great. That was great drunk food where you'd be like shit faced and you'd walk by and go get like a like a, a chicken bacon ranch pretzel or like a cheesesteak pretzel. You know, it was like. Decent, you know, good farmer's market, but nothing really like, oh, you got to go to Kutztown because of fucking this, dude. See, we had grandma's kitchen at Mansfield. I feel like I went to the exact opposite school you did. Okay. Like grandma's kitchen was just a bunch of old ladies who made really good cookies and breakfast. And maybe you went there with a hangover, but 
I don't know. I mean, mm. like, like I, I always felt like that would be disrespectful to grandma. Yeah, no, you don't. You want to you want to get your shit together for grandma. Well, what's your I usually like to do like obviously the greasy stuff. Like when I was in college, I would all when I would be hung over because I wouldn't make it out till probably like 11 or noon at the earliest. And I would just get like a bacon cheeseburger and like a Mountain Dew. That was always like my favorite go to hangover food. My brother in law is a cop and he was working third shift. So his hours were just kind of fucked up. So when I came back from college, he introduced me to this kind of thing. We drank and we played rummy all night. And then at like four o'clock, five o'clock. Rummy's cards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Rummy 500. Gotcha. Fun game. So we're playing all night and then we'd pause and he would make these like egg and sausage sandwiches. And they were very greasy mm-hmm. and it was like a preemptive move. So we'd eat that and then we wouldn't have a hangover the next day. Mm. But if I have a super big hangover, I'll go to McDonald's and I'll grab a quarter pound of cheese large fries, anything to like, whatever, sop up the excess alcohol. Yeah. That will, man, I, I had this night where maybe I was 27 and I was trying to fill out this list, this alcohol list when I was living in Maryland. And I had, I think it was 13 ales or stouts, something like that. Oh yeah. You, there's like a local bar and then they give you like a fucking special glass or something. Yeah. yeah. This one was like, it's called the Phoenix Emporium. Yeah. Ellicott City, Maryland. And you drank 99 beers. And if you finished it, you got like 25% off. I think it was 20% off or 25% off anytime you went to the bar. So it was like forever. Yeah. So it's supposed to be on like, yeah, it's like every day it was 20%. And then on Sundays, it was like 50%. So like all you had to do was drink 99 beers. I mean, it's a, it's a big investment, but yeah. And most people don't do it more than once. I did it seven times. So it, it Wait, you drank all 99, seven times. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so what it was, does that mean? They pay you when you go <laughs> no, <that's laughs> that much like percentage? No, like, no, I mean like eventually I guess, but no, I trust me. I, I went into debt and didn't realize what I was doing, but that one night I had a shit. Well, no, that make not to cut you off. That does make sense. Like most people aren't going to get through that or go to the no. bar enough. But if you're, if I'm going to that bar often, I could do that easy. Well, yeah, it's but a, you would have to go often. Yes. So the last time I was there, like when I was moving out, I had two weeks off from work. Like I, I couldn't move up here until December 14th. And my last day of work was November 30th. So I'm like, well, I have two weeks to do nothing. Yeah. And you know, I still got a, my two week check. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just do another list. And I, I did, I think I finished it in like 12 days or 11 days, something like that. 99 beers. Yeah, it was bad. And like, I mean, fun, but bad for my liver. But that's not crazy, though. Well, no. how old were you at that time? It was 30. OK, yeah. You know what? Because that's 80 beer or I'm sorry. That's about eight to nine beers a night for 12 days straight. OK, that yeah. that that's not easy. No, no. It's and then you have to go there for eight days and like yeah. everybody knows what what you're doing. And yeah. Like, Yo, you should you should get help. Yeah. And that, that's funny for about three days. Yeah. And, and- very quickly on the fourth day that becomes like you're still doing this but huh. it's, a, it's a job and i'm like well i had a deadline i had to finish this before i moved town i mean i How, didn't have to but i did yeah and then you bought and what are the beer prices there like well it depends i mean there are imports some domestic i think there were 18 wild spots where like you could drink whatever and like you just fill in the blank yeah and then if you complete a list they were a little softer on the rules like like I had already completed seven of them. So I'm like, oh, I don't like the Kelpie Seaweed Ale. 
They're like, okay, well, you can drink whatever else you want in that one. So yeah, because honestly, fine. that sounds crazy that they would give you twenty five percent off. But if you're going that much, because you already you have to spend ninety nine dollars worth of beer, or I'm sorry, ninety nine beers worth of money right. at that place, and then you know you already spent a shit ton of money there. Well, <laughs> and you plus the food. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I gave them some money. Yeah, you're a you're definitely a net positive for them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then you bring friends or whatever. But I remember this one night, my tab was ninety dollars okay. ninety one dollars. So I, whatever it is, and uh, I had shots on there too. So this is with the discount. And I woke up the next day and like I, I fell asleep in my car. Yeah, uh, in the parking spot where I parked it, and you know it was like ten thirty, and I woke up and I like I drove home. And I probably wasn't legally okay, yeah. but I got to within two blocks from my house and I threw up on the steering wheel and I'm like, no. oh, it, was a, it was like a 16, 18 mile drive and I almost made it. So Damn. I'm like, all right. And got inside and basically was passed out the entire day. And, you know, I, I was covering high school sports. So I'm like, well, this girl's lacrosse game doesn't need to be covered. So I'm not doing that today. <laughs> so I went in at like five. And my brother-in-law was talking to me. He goes, dude, go to McDonald's. Just go to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Went to McDonald's, got a double quarter pounder of cheese and fries. Felt perfect. Yeah. So that will always be my go-to. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's my Phoenix Emporium store. But I, no, want, I, love, I, want, I love places like that. I would love to theoretically have like a fucking sauna in, yeah. when eventually like I get a house to have a sauna in there. Because I feel like that for me now feels like the only way to fucking fix that when I'm super hungover. Is like drink a bunch of water and then just sweat it out because that doesn't. I like we joke on the uh, we joke on panties in the mouth that I'm like the king of tummy aches because it's like I just I love food. I definitely have like a fucking food addiction, which is the corniest of addictions, but I definitely have like a food addiction. But I also tend uh, because of that. And I just love like like it makes me happy to have good food and shit like that. So I, t- I have a tendency of like overeating from time to time, yeah, but also too, sometimes I think I, my shit's just sent like in the, or sometimes early in the morning, like I swear I have fucking morning sickness or some shit. <laughs> my stomach will be sensitive sometimes. So the food doesn't always seem to help me as much anymore. I think, cause I remember one time I got my shower like stupid hot and I was able to like sweat it out a little bit, but I can't do that every fucking time. Cause it hurts so much. I would love to have, a sauna and just go fucking crazy in there. Yeah. I would just, I would use that as like anytime I ate too much. Yeah. Or I was just like, all right, well, I don't want to work out today. Let me just sweat everything out. I would, <laughs> I would end up like not eating. What I would do is I'd step on the scale, go in the sauna and then step on the scale when I got out. I'm like, okay, today I lost 2.6 pounds. Yeah. Of sweat. And you Tomorrow, let's your- see. Yeah. You'd trick yourself into thinking you like did a workout or some shit. Yeah. And I'd be addicted just to gonna- that. Yeah, you're just going to drink water and gain all that weight back. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm trying to lose weight, I always, and this is the only way it helps, but I will weigh myself before I go to bed. And then again, when I wake up after I go to the bathroom and everything, and I'm like, yeah, I lost 2.4 pounds. Like, all I did was take a shit and sweat in my sleep. So I'm like, all right, but I feel better about myself. Will you lose weight in your sleep? Yeah. No shit. Well, think I about w- it. it. You can't gain it. Yeah, and also too, if you are getting a full night, and because your body, you just burn calories by yeah. existing. So yeah, I mean, you sweat while you sleep anyway. Yeah, true. I mean, even if you're not a sweater, you do. So and then you get up and you pee. So okay, yeah, I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, it I just, would love to do the um, 
like whenever I have to take like a big shit to weigh myself. Like I've made this joke to people before where I'm like, I, I'm preemptive because it's a dumb ass. It's a dumb joke. But I've made that joke where I was like, you ever take a shit so big you like felt gay? Like, cause you yeah, like, yeah, yep, yep. cause you look at the shit in the toilet and you're like, dude, if that went, if that went in rather than out, like I would be a gay man. <laughs> it was I, that big. And I'm like, I would love to weigh those dude to like really see how much they fucking, how much came out. I had a joke a while ago. I think I did it once or twice. And I'm like, I'm not gay, but I have taken a big shit before. So I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I totally. You're like I'm like the I'm the I'm the reverse of you guys. Yeah. I mine's go out, yours go in. <laughs> right. No, I. Okay, this I know the answer to this, but have you ever sent a picture to your friend of my shit? Yeah, I actually haven't. You haven't. I don't you. know. I don't know why, but like I've heard dudes do that a lot. Uh-huh. I used to. I, I also no. You know what I used to do is I used to do um I used to do a joke about this, but like so if you get a te- if I send you a picture in text, the picture will pop up. Yeah. But back in the day when you first started to be able to text pictures, it would just show the text and it mm-hmm. would say like, have an attachment. So I would do a joke where I would just be like, bro, can you believe fucking Britney Spears wore this or whatever the fuck? Like, Oh my God, her titty fell out. You know what I mean? Like you would yeah. say some shit like that or like, Oh, they got another picture of her fucking pussy or whatever. And then they'd open it up and it would just be my balls. <laughs> um, and then I got a decent amount of black friends and they did not find that as funny as my white friends. Weird. <laughs> they found that a lot less funny and I just naturally ended up doing it less. <laughs> after that. So I used to, I used to take pictures of my shit and send them to my, my buddy, Jeff. Yeah. And there's this one and it was so big, dude. Uh, it was like coming out of the bowl and I named him King Larry. <laughs> Give him a gender, everything. Hell, so, oh, hell yeah. So I sent it to my buddy. And like you said, you had to accept that. So what I did is I sent him so many pictures of like different shits. Yeah. That he was afraid to open any photo. I would be. Yeah. So I'd send him a photo and he goes, what is this? I'm like, and I, I, it was innocent. And I'm like, no, trust me, you're fine. So he was just like, it was learned behavior. He was like, yeah. no, I'm not opening this. And I'm like, that's, that's a distinct power. I never thought I'd ever have over somebody. It's fun. No, I feel you. I don't know what it is. It's like there's something with like shits. It's weird. You know what it is? It's um, there's yeah, just something about bodily fluids. I don't enjoy like that. I've never en- I've never enjoyed someone sending me a picture of their shit or anything <laughs> like that. And even like when people fart or people burp, I have this weird line in my head. I don't know why. It's either hilarious or disgusting. I right. think it's like I think it's like intent. I remember uh, growing up, like my mom would always be like, you're dirty. And I'd be like, no, I'm messy. This is, and I was probably a little dirty. That distinction always bothered me. You know what I mean? So like in like having things in context of being dirty. So if you're just fucking ripping ass, cause you don't respect the people around you and you know, you're just a fucking gross person that bothers me. But like one time I was fighting my friend, Justin in high school and I flipped him upside down and his head was right by my ass and I just ripped ass in his face. That context is funny to me. So then farts are funny there. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's a weird line and it's probably not completely logical, but it's weird. Sometimes worst thing in the world. Sometimes my favorite thing, because I was trying to write a joke about it because I'll do this thing sometimes when like if I'm in bed and I'm trying to rip ass, but I'm not trying to like have my wife hear it. You'll be under the covers. And this is a trick for the fellas out there. If you're not trying to have loud farts, you can like pull the cheek apart and it'll be like a soft like <laughs> rather than and then i was thinking about that and i was just like it makes you realize how funny farts are because like 
if there's no cheeks for the farts to go through, it's just a pop. But like you it makes a fart makes that sound because your cheeks have to be like it's pushing them apart and makes them have to go like I don't know, dude. It's just it's so fucking funny. All right. This is what I like about comedians. Like, like this <laughs> little minutiae. <laughs> have you always thought like this? Like, I mean, when you were a kid, is this how your brain was? Like, okay, well, I don't like I don't like that. There's a difference. There's a distinct difference between messy and dirty. It bothers me that it's this way. Farts are funny in the right context. Was that always you? Well, I was always obsessed with uh, what I perceived as like right and wrong. I was always obsessed with just in general, like right or wrong and stuff like that. I say I say what I perceived as right and wrong, because for the longest time, I thought there was just like a universal right and there's a universal wrong. And then the more the more I grew and the more I met other people, I was just like, everyone has their own version of the world. You know what I mean? Like there are universal truths. Like if I stab you right in the heart, you're going to die. Like that's a truth. You know what I mean? If your heart, but like you see with the news all the time, you'll have people, you'll have a million people watch the same bit of news and you get a million different fucking opinions. But I was always obsessed with right or wrong and like what the truth and what wasn't the truth was. So, and then you mix that with like my dad was always a very, nervous anxious guy like i remember when i was and i always thought that like that was fucking the way he was was sort of normal and how everyone was that sort of like came on to me and i started to be like that a lot like i remember my dad one time when i was a little kid he would tell me he's like yeah i wasn't too worried about most stuff in college the only thing that would get me really anxious was where i was gonna hang my coat and i was like yeah that makes sense and it's like no you should be worried about the tests (laughs) who gives a shit where you're gonna hang you're a fucking drunk college student you don't even have a nice coat probably you know what i mean like it's like so you know because he sort of he sort of passed down that like uh, like that thing of being like a little worried at times kind of like anxious about shit and stuff like that it caused me to dissect things you know because a lot of times when people who are anxious you do a lot of um uh what the fuck would it be you just like overthink things yeah. so you think about like if something bad could happen what could be the possible bad things that could happen how could they happen how could i avoid them happening what's the best solution so through that i trained my brain to like overanalyze everything so you start noticing everything so when it turns to a thing with my farts when i open my cheeks up and it goes i start to realize like what is making the sound and all that so i think I think through things like that, I've just I've developed a brain that has a tendency to like overthink and to overanalyze things. So when you're 22, thinking about doing stand up and you told your friends, you told your family, were they like, yeah, that makes sense? Um, did they say that makes sense? No, I mean, was it did it make sense did, to them that you were going to pursue comedy? I mean, just with the way you thought. Yeah, I think so. Probably because I was always trying to. I remember I was always like a like a a little bit of a fucking try hard to get attention. And I like even growing up, I was never like I was never in good shape. I was never overly attractive. So the easiest thing to do was to just figure out how to be funny. And I always thought funny people were the best. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, I remember I got a a, a Bill Cosby record and like we found out he's like the best. You know what I mean? Like the best person. Um. No, no problems and, uh, <laughs> ever, <laughs> but no, for real though, you know, didn't choose great extracurricular activities, but you know, comedy wise, he fucking killed, you know what I mean? He was a fucking beast. And I remember, I remember hearing that when I was younger, you know, it's actually another thing. My dad, the, my dad was always like the funny guy trying to make jokes, trying to make people laugh. 
I remember one time at my grandmother's funeral, everyone was like super sad because obviously dead grandmother. And uh, but my dad was like he wasn't being offensive, but he was like trying to crack jokes here and there. And I saw like he was the reason like everyone was having a better day than they could have. You know what I mean? And I remember that really like that really like stuck with me. And also my dad showed me blazing saddles when I was a little kid. And when you're like a little kid and you hear, you know, you hear these dudes making crazy jokes and there's the fucking thing where uh, uh, Mongo's punching the horse in the face and you're hearing all these fucking curse words and, and shit like that. You're not supposed to hear and this and that. That got me really excited. That's why I'm like into like offensive comedy and, you know, just fucked up shit like that. I realized like there's a lot of value in being the funny guy and I want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like that's the service I want to fucking provide. Cause that looks fun. That looks fulfilling. That looks like the fun thing to do. And then also, but I get more excited because I saw like fucking blazing saddles and shit like that. When I was a little kid, that's the, I realized the value or not value, but like, just like the joy in it's like the difference between like it, like if you compared it to like extreme sports, it's like the difference between being like a really good street skater and being like Danny way trying to jump the great wall of China. Like right. that street skating is cool, but you're risking a lot more by jumping the great wall of China. You know what I mean? If you like, like Rodney Mullen, which no disrespect to Rodney, no, Rodney Mullen, he fucking rules. He's the fucking man. Go watch an interview with Rodney Mullen. He fucking rules. But when he does a trick, Like the most he's risking is like a fucking like twisted ankle. Mm -hmm. But Danny Way, when he's jumping the Great Wall of China, like he could die. Shit like that excites me a lot more. But in the context of comedy, that's why I like people who try to figure out like because comedy is kind of magic to a degree. It's a little bit magic because you can say like insane shit. You can say fucking insane shit. But you figure out you figure out this formula that make people do this involuntary reaction, which is laughter. And now it's just completely okay because you made someone laugh. That's why when people don't laugh at shit, they get so offended and they treat you like you said that shit for real because an unfunny joke feels like a statement to some people. You know what I mean? Like we do comedy. We know enough to know like, it was like that great Chappelle clip when he was kind of not doing comedy, but he would pop up occasionally. Yeah. And he had that great clip where uh, he was at the comedy store. And it was right after Kramer was saying the N-word a bunch. And he was doing that set. He was getting canceled. He was getting in trouble for that. And Chappelle, there's that clip of Chappelle like a bunch of years later talking about, or I don't know how many years, but a couple of years later talking about that. And he's just like, I'm a comedian. I saw that. And I was just like, oh, motherfucker's having a bad set. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what's happening. Like, yeah, Kramer definitely, you know, he missed pretty hard. Like, he swung <laughs> the bat. Like, he tried to hit a homer, swung the bat, and it fucking spun and hit the bat boy in the head. But he was still trying to go for a homer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, that's the problem. When you fail, when you're going big and you fail, you fail fucking hard. Right. And I always got excited about that, like, level of danger. It's definitely more stressful. In, and I'm not trying to be like, woe is me. I'm an offensive comedian and fucking cancel culture is going to get me. Although it is kind of it's extra retarded nowadays, but either either way, I'm just saying it's a little more stressful now, but it's still my favorite thing. Who influenced you when you were coming up? Uh, I probably so I was a big like ONA fan. So it was like all the like back in the day, like the ONA standards, the ONA staples were always like my fucking shit. But I would probably say like the big ones for me initially, it, like I said, Bill Cosby started it all for me. And then I got big into Dane Cook. I don't fuck with him as much anymore. But, you know, you always have respect for Dane Mm -hmm. Cook because people would always take Dane Cook for granted. 
then I got to see him. I scored tickets to like the either the first, no, the second annual Patrice O'Neill uh, benefit that they do every year in uh, New York. I scored tickets to that. And uh, me and Nate, who I also do, Nate Marshall, who I also do paintings in the mouth with, we scored tickets to that. We got to see a whole bunch of comics and we got to see Dane Cook on that one. And we instantaneously turned into like excited little girls. And like, even in that little bit, like you realize like, you know, he may not have your fucking top tier, highbrow, smart fucking comedy that like a lot of dorks want, but he knows he's an expert at like controlling the stage and shit like that. So Dane Cook's not like my main guy anymore, but I always have immense respect for Dane Cook. But I would probably say my main people were or my main people are. Well, I was big into Jim Jeffries when I started. He kind of got a little silly, but he still knows how to be really funny. But it, I would say my main people are um, Patrice, Bill Burr, Doug Stanhope. Probably Big J because crowd works. I might like crowd work more than actually writing. Now, it's if you learn how to do it, it can be easier than writing, <laughs> but I don't try to do that as a cop out. I try to do it because, once again, crowd work's more exciting than writing to me sometimes. Like, you know, it's like when you see a well written joke on a special, it's fucking great. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hear a well written song that someone spent forever on, but there's another part of me where I'm like, of course that's good. You spent a fucking year working on it. Like, right. why wouldn't it be good? But then you hear like elephant in the rooms, fucking amazing, but you still want to check out like Mr. P and those other albums because like, there's this one track by Patrice called the confrontational chicken lady. And I always tell people, listen to that. If you ever want to learn how to do crowd work, it's the best five minutes or however fucking long it is of audio. To, it's the only five minutes you need to teach you how to do crowd work. Cause he goes in, he sees this, he sees this lady in the front. Who's just like a fat lady eating chicken wings, all annoying. And she's being loud and like fucking annoying to Patrice. And then, so Patrice starts shitting on her and he hits this point where he's going a little bit too far. He's about to turn the crowd and he goes, nah, but you're cute. I'd probably fuck you. Da, 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 lady. Da, da, da. And then, <laughs> so then she, so she starts feeling herself. She starts and then, okay. And the crowd likes me and fuck you, bitch. Like it. So, and that's like the basic maneuver to do crowd work. If any comics are listening, the other thing I would say is if you're ever trying to learn how to do crowd work, just have a joke that you can get into. That is your safety net. So if you want to learn crowd work, have a joke about relationships and just start talking to the crowd. Like, Hey, are you guys married? You guys married do shit like that. And if you, if you can't think of anything, just go into your joke about relationships. So that's like a safe way to practice crowd work. But, um, yeah, no big J, uh, I like him a lot because I've I remember I would uh, I, I've seen him live a couple times and I've listened to his crowd work albums a bunch and I'm not trying to fucking jerk him off or blow smoke up his ass. But like those crowd work albums are better than some comics like I've been working for three years to do this album album. And yeah. that's just I don't know that that's just like a bigger badge of honor to me. You know what I mean? Like just to be like, oh, yeah, me just existing bodies your hard work. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I know it comes off to some comics as like a fucking cop out. And it's just like, oh, you just don't want to write jokes, Andy. And it's like, I, yeah, but like the reward's so much better. I don't know. I just it gets me crowd work gets me a little bit more excited than writing jokes sometimes. That's why I haven't fucking. That's why I've been slacking on writing jokes. <laughs> <laughs> when did you feel comfortable doing crowd work? Um, Like how many prob- years in were you? Probably like five or six. Because it took me a while to actually like do it, do it. Cause I've never been like a comic to just write jokes. Cause then like, it feels like I'm learning a monologue mm-hmm. and then it's like, it, it becomes hard to memorize. So I just kind of would, a lot of times I would just be talking when I would go up on stage, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would kind of like talk to the crowd a little bit, but not a lot. And then I started to, 
I remember, yeah, because I remember we went to that, like I, we went to that Patrice benefit, and I remember I saw Big J there, and I realized he was doing a lot of crowd work, you know, and I was listening to a lot more Patrice and stuff like that, and I started noticing like the crowd, and I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. I was also seeing enough comedy. I would see these comics who they would be afraid to do crowd work. And then people would interrupt their set and they would just kind of pause and stare at them and be like, all right, that's weird. You said that. And then just go back into their joke. And you start to realize, like, not to sound fucking corny, but, you know, the comedy is like a little bit of a fucking dance. You can't just go. You can't just like lock into your act. You kind of got to react to things going on. You know what I mean? Like if you're in the middle of some shit and then some lady just yells some shit out, you can't just ignore her. You have to kind of address it. So I realized it was a good skill to have as a survival mechanism just on stage. And then I started to, (laughs) I started to, you know, you know, a big part of it too was I started getting asked to do longer sets and I didn't have enough good jokes. And I realized it was an easy way to like pad your set. You know what I mean? Like, like say you got to do 25 minutes, but you only have 15 minutes of joke. But a couple of those jokes about are about relationships or something like that. Like if you're good enough at it, you can burn the first five minutes of your set easy. Just commenting on like what the town's like, what someone in the crowd was doing, reference something from earlier. You can burn 10 minutes easy doing that. And then later you can like fucking talk about relationships, bro. Just going around being like, like you could waste so much time go talking to the room and going, how long you been married? What do you do for a living? Just those two questions. Cause like, dude, like I was talking to this one couple like doing the whole, like, what do you do for a living? And then this one lady, she was like, oh, I'm a, I'm an elementary school principal. And then this other girl was like, I'm a middle school principal. And then that just turned into like, oh, you're trying to big dick this lady. And then you, <laughs> and then like, I created that into like a conflict of like how they would fight and, you know, oh, but you, you know, you're going to take your middle schoolers and fight her fourth grade. You know, you like, cause that's another thing comics do that fucking cracks me up is they'll go, they'll ask some questions. And there's like, ah, oh, there's nothing funny about that. And it's like, dude, ask more questions. Yep. <laughs> There's always something, even with like the most boring person in the world, you can still find something that you're kind of like, what? And then like work with that or bare minimum, you can find something that comes into one of your jokes. Well, I've noticed when you do a show and I, I host a lot of shows that I produce or every <laughs> show. I always say that I host a lot of shows. If I produce it, I fucking host it. And it's, that's my cheat. So <laughs> I just started doing a weekly show and I'm like, well, I've tried to bring new material. I'm like, well, (laughs) one thing I could do is do more crowd work. Yeah. And that way I don't need five more minutes of jokes. I'm like, okay, I'll start the first five. That's crowd work. And then I can go into material if I want. Yeah. Uh, So every audience wants that night to be (gasps) unique. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, this is just for us. Yeah. So that's why I think crowd work hits so hard because, oh, he didn't plan that. This is just for me. And it's just because my girlfriend said something, the show is better now. Yeah. So that, and then I do what you said earlier. Like I ask questions and I have this one bit about like, uh, I got three cats and I celebrate their birthdays. And I asked, does anybody celebrate their pet's birthdays? And some woman said, no. And I'm like, why don't you celebrate your cat's birthday? And she said, well, my cat's adopted. And I just said, yeah, all- that's, I said, that's kind of how it works. They're all I, adopted. I said, I didn't think you gave birth to the fucking cat and people exploded. Well, yeah, and, then that's, that, and that's a bit now. That's also a big thing. Like, that's a big thing in life is just perception. And what that yeah. lady was doing was like, she just owns a cat. 
Mm-hmm. But her perception was like, but I adopted it with the context of like, there's another option. So that's yeah. just that right. There's another minute. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of just like, what the fuck are you talking about, lady? Yeah. But then that comes into the fucking that comes into that beautiful balance of it where you're like, you're allotted a little bit of being like, what the fuck, lady? But you can't go too hard. No. Because if you call her too stupid, then the crowd's like, all right, you're being mean. No. And I don't address that stuff. I'm like, no, no. All you do is this, like this. And everybody around her was like, yeah. What do you think was going to like? Yeah. What's the other option? Like you find it, you take it in like, or you birth it. I like crowd work, too, because like it kind of like brings people into your energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're like, it's a little more. Well, I guess your jokes are pretty honest to who you are, but they're also they're also too. Like I said before, they're like it's like a super well crafted version of yourself. Yeah, but I I think with every joke, it's like everybody's different, but like that's part of your character. Yeah, you know your persona, whatever. When yeah. you do crowd work, that is you. Yeah, yeah, that's like you too. And then I also too like because I'm like big into I love learning about like conspiracies and like government secrets and shit like that. <laughs> so my favorite thing to do is try to like, try to work that stuff in to like, I don't I remember I was like I forget what it was they were like whatever about it but I like tried to work in some shit about MK Ultra it, no because you know what because like that's a huge challenge to me because people get really weird about conspiracies and then I try to come at them like yo is that not fucking interesting like they had this thing called Operation Midnight Climax where they got a bunch of hookers to trick Johns to come to this like back area and give them a bunch of LSD and then the fucking uh, uh, CIA agents just sat back and watched what happened because they were trying to figure out mind control and shit like that and I was like yelling at the crowd to be like you don't give a shit you don't find that interesting <laughs> you don't that doesn't fucking intrigue you at all I like testing the limits but like I don't like to upset people, but I still like to see how far you'll go with me. So that's why I like bringing up stuff like that. Yeah, no, like the other night I was trying to like, I was trying to like reference 9-11 in my crowd work. And I'm just like, let me see how much I can sort of bend you to what I think is funny. Because it feels like that's what you, it feels like you're persuading them to agree with what you think. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So how'd it go? Well, no, it was. uh, Oh, so I do this joke where. Well, so I started off where I go like, are you guys happy? Like COVID's not a real thing anymore because I'm trying to like make a joke of the fact that it's like it's getting a lot. It's it's a lot less dangerous. Anything I go, you guys happy that COVID's not a real thing anymore? I was like, yeah, the CIA stopped worrying about that. They're going over and uh, causing a ruckus over in Ukraine now. You know, I mean, just like leaning into that, like leaning into just being what is usually the most annoying guy to most people. And then the crowd got weird on that. And I just turned to the crowd. I was like, well, you guys better loosen the fuck up. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you literally everything I think about 9-11. And then they all started like laughing about that. And it's like, and I also do that because like the crowd just felt like they were the polar opposite of me. I'm trying to get into a place where they kind of get me. And I'm not trying to act like I'm fucking out there and fuck it. But I was like, you guys are just much different than me. <laughs> and I need yeah. you on my plane. I host a lot of the shows. So it's like, I'm always nervous about, okay, well, how deep do I get into this? Now, I was in a, well, maybe you know, Elkland, Pennsylvania. Okay. I was there last night and a town that I think I'd been to once. I got lost or whatever. Yeah. And, and go in, and it's nice new bar. And I'm talking to the people probably first two or three minutes and it's going really well. And this, <laughs> I go into my joke about, like, I have a, an old joke I uncovered about uh, old TV shows. Like my grandpa loved the TV shows from the 
56 and 70s. And the crux of it is about Lassie and how yeah. I'm skeptical about Lassie. Like, I, I think she's the one who's she's setting all the fires, you know? Yeah. Uh, everything goes wrong. She's supposed to be the first responder. Bullshit. So when I let into that joke, I'm like, so what's your guys' favorite TV show? And this one guy goes, cheers. I'm like, oh, I said, nothing from the last 40 years. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He goes, no. And then I went to this. Now, I don't know how many people know this. And it, it didn't go well. But I was like, do you know the actual lyrics for that song? Like the theme song, the original theme song is super dark. One of the first verses is how the little girl, because the guy's going to the bar. Yeah. He's going to the bar to forget about all his troubles. Yeah, yeah. One of his troubles is like his little angel hung the cat up by its tail. And I'm like. That's pretty uh, fucked up. Yeah. And then like his shrink ran off with his wife and didn't even write. And her husband wants to be a girl. But I start going to this and the guy's like, uh-uh. <laughs> he, he didn't give anything back. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Back to the material. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the other part. You just you just get that sometimes, man. You just get crowds that are like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I'll, I drove home and I'm like, man, and I'd never do this. But I'm like, maybe I should have like played it for him. <laughs> but like put the mic to the phone. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to waste time on that one. I'll just nah, I'll get to guy, the end of my lassie bit and move on. Yeah. That guy sounded like he was. Dead set on not laughing. Well, you no, know, he was good about every, just that point. He was he was a little touched too. And mm. he had pre-gamed, I think, life. So uh, <laughs> yeah. he was like, Don't fucking talk about my cheers like that, boy. <laughs> so have you had an experience like that where it's like, like, oh shit, no matter what I do, fuck, I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna I, move this brick. Yeah. Well, it's hard sometimes because um I've gotten a lot better at it, but like there'll be times where I'll kind of like come at the crowd because like I do this one joke about playing Call of Duty and this one Call of Duty game that came out a while ago called like Call of Duty World War Two. And the joke is essentially being like, it's fucking crazy. You can play a video game that's World War Two because <laughs> I realized in the game there's like difficulty settings. And I'm like, that's oh, no like that's crazy. Like, and I'm not trying to do the joke to you right now, but I'm like, you can right. just if you want, you can have an easy World War Two. And I I start the joke off by saying like. The game's so fun. It's so fucking fun. And I didn't realize World War II was that fun. And people take that very literally sometimes. Yeah. And they'll get like, and there was this one crowd where like, I could, I could hear them literally like, oh, oh. And so, but here, the problem is with like, with me, like I try to be like a nice guy. I try to be open-minded and I try to be, but then like, I'll have these moments where like, when they do that in my head, I'm just like, you're being retarded, <laughs> like <laughs> full blown. Why would you think that I'm genuinely just like, that's my point of the joke. I'm just trying to like, be like, oh yeah, dude, we're, we're, they're lying. They're PTSD. They're actually just being pussies. They're all lying. It was actually like a really fun time. World War II. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, we all know this is a comedy show. We all paid money to go see comedy. You know, I'm a comedian. This, this is what I'm going to do right now. And I remember the one time that like really bothered me. And I like, I just couldn't because like I began a lot better about it in the past year or two, just in life and in comedy. But I, I used to be very bad at letting things go. Like, like back to the thing I was saying earlier about, I, you know, I get obsessed with right or wrong. I get obsessed with like, it's why it's actually hard for me. 
I remember if my wife would watch one of those wrongful conviction documentaries mm -hmm. after like the first couple of them, I just wouldn't watch them with them because they would like get me very angry and very like I would get too emotionally invested in them because I just get, you know, these people who are just in prison for fucking 30 years because some cop was trying to like or some prosecutor was trying to like pad his fucking numbers so he could get a promotion yeah. or, so, or down the line or some shit like that. And that shit drives me fucking crazy. So like kind of relating that to the crowd, it's like if the crowd's looking at me like, oh, that's just not right. And I'm like, you're feeling this way because you're so like you're the most wrong you could possibly be. That gets stuck real far up my fucking ass and I can't get past it. So I remember I just like now I know the crowd didn't like that, but I almost bombed my own set because I was so mad at this one lady because I was like, it's crazy that you responded that way. And I was just like giving them fucking shit. But no, I've had that. I've definitely gotten in my own way at times because I'll get like really mad at the crowd for I don't know. I just get annoyed because you get like. So many people that go to these and this might just be telling of how many bad shows I've done, but so many people like go to these shows and you're like, you don't want to be here. Yeah, you don't want to be here. And then on top of that, you're going to make the show worse. Like, it's crazy what you're doing right now, you know, with that obsession with like fucking right or wrong. I just let I would let that shit bother me way more. Now I take much more of a route of just like, I'm just going to try to like embarrass because actually I remember, um, do you know, you know, uh, Tommy Pope? I know he the does, name. Yeah, he does Stuff Island with uh, Chris O'Connor. He's super fucking funny. Out of Philly? Um, uh, yeah, originally from Philly. I think they live in Queens now. Okay. But um, yeah, super fucking funny dude. And I remember back in the day when we first started, when we first met and stuff, I was hanging out with him at a show. And he was doing this one because this was actually this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we were talking about like crowd work and shit like that. And I remember Tommy was doing some crowd work where he was just laying into these fucking chicks in the front row who were just the worst six chicks you ever met in your life. And he was just laying into them hard. And I was like, because I I tried to do stuff like that and always just come off so fucking mean. I watched Tommy do it with fucking ease. And I just asked him, after, I was like, how do you do that? And he's like, I have a smile on my face. He's like, I have I have this cheery energy to me and shit like that. So that always stuck with me because I can come off. I can come off like a fucking angry motherfucker. And I know like when people see my face, especially with like the fucking short hair now, they just hear. -na 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 -na. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they do, like I get it. So I have to be aware of that. Like, don't come off. So that always stuck with me when like Tommy was saying that where he's like, yeah, just fucking have a smile on your face. <laughs> Just fucking, you can get away with mean shit if you're just like, ha ha, I'm kidding, ha ha. <laughs> but like, so like, I go that course of action now rather than just like bombing my own set where I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna fucking clap your cheeks with a smile on my face, dude. But um, I'm trying. Yeah, no, I've had a bunch of uh shitty comedy experiences. Here's my thing: is like, like, don't get me wrong, I have epic bombs. I have absolutely epic bombs because like. Once the crowd is shitty, I like bail on giving a fuck very quickly. You know what I mean? So like I'll bomb a set, but like I'll bomb on my own terms. Right. You know what I mean? You're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's what I'm trying to say. It's like I 1000% bomb. I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I just it's like in a job interview when they're trying to ask you what one of your like bad traits are. And you're just you like turn it around. Yeah, you turn around and you're just like, oh, it's just probably probably that I just care too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not trying to act like I'm not trying to act like I never bomb, but I think I have more of a propensity to, like I said before, like I'm gonna bomb on my own terms. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out having fun. Cause actually I remember um 
I didn't hear him say this to me directly, but uh, Nate, once again, Nate, who I do the podcast with, he was, there was this dude where we started named Randy Tong, who's a very funny dude, very smart dude. He was always like, dude, we got, you know, I was saying back before, like doing comedy in Central PA, you got to be able to fucking drive a bunch and do all that shit. And he's like, we're driving a bunch. We got to drive 30, 45, 50 minutes to go do a show. We got to do all this shit. And then when you get up on stage, you know, you're doing what, five, 10 minutes yeah. at a lot of these places. He's like, it's like, if you're not at least having the most fun you can during those five or 10 minutes, what the fuck are you doing, man? So I t- like, I don't know if this is what you meant directly, but I took it as like, well, if the set's going bad, I'm going to try to have as much fun as I can. You know what I mean? Because it's like, don't get me wrong. I definitely have a propensity to be sort of like a, a people pleaser. That's another thing I've been sort of working out because it fucking burns you in the ass if you go too deep down that rabbit hole. But I have, a, you know, obviously I do comedy, so I want to have strangers like me. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, it's not that thing. Like, I always hate that thing you see fucking dumb people say where they're like, if the crowd's shitty, it's all on the comedian. They're like, well, you should be good enough to fucking turn that crowd. And I was like, well, no, they should be fucking they're adults. They should also be able to not be complete sacks of shit at the same time. <laughs> so I'm not trying to ask for too much. But if you can't meet me halfway of like, I'm going to come here and do my best. You guys do your best to not be f- like the fucking worst. If they're not going to meet me halfway, I'll bomb my own set on myself. Now, obviously, anyone listening, this was my mindset during the open mic dates. If you're paying me, I'm going to try real fucking hard. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I had a bad show recently, but they were giving me a good-ass paycheck. So I was just like, and hey, now my baby. <laughs> I don't want to. Let me make that clear so it doesn't fuck my money up. I will work for the paycheck, sir. No. <laughs> now that makes me sound like a fucking bitch. No, fuck your show. Fuck every show. I don't want money. Um, I want to be a pure artist. <laughs> But no, it's like it's the difference between like, oh, I'm getting paid a shitload of money to do this. Or you ask me to do your fucking dumbass bar show. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That was definitely much more of like an open mic mindset. But I still sort of I still sort of have that energy where you see too many times comics just like, bro, it's why it's half the reason comics never get fucking paid enough because they're just it's such low. And I still have a lot of hangover from, you know, open mic and stuff like that, where you're just like. You're like, what's the pay? Oh, nothing. Yeah. And then how do I got to drive? What? Oh, seven hours. Not literally, but I got to drive super far and you're going to, oh, I don't get free drinks or anything, anything. And then I get to do oh five minutes in front of a crowd that are watching a football game that you won't turn the TVs off or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like all that, all that shit. And you do so much of that when you first start over that it's like, it's hard for comics to just be like, Hey, could I have, um, Self-respect. <laughs> yeah, but you can't ask for that either because you might not be booked on the show or the next one, at least. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, you know, there is a mile long line of comics with no self-respect that will yeah. gladly do this show. What? Like, I, I can't have you. <laughs> What's the worst show you've ever done? Worst show. Well, worst show you've done. Worst set you've ever had. Um, I will say this. The show I thought was going to be the worst show that ended up being the most fun was I was smack dab in the middle of... um a bunch of rap uh, rappers and most of them were juggalos. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if you want to really test your crowd work, perform in front of a bunch of juggalos, juggalos get a bad rap. That actually ended up being really fucking fun. But what was my worst fucking show? I know I was doing an open mic one time and I was making jokes about, yeah, it's like two of the, it, it was like a handful of people there. And I was making I was making jokes about two of the guys doing gay stuff or whatever, but I didn't know 
that one of the dudes was actually gay <laughs> and, the, and the other dude was actually super weird about it. <laughs> so the dude who was super weird about it got up and like turned off the PA system. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck are we doing right now, man? Cause I, I, I remember, I just, I think I like threw the mic down and just started like being like, what the fuck are we doing? There's fucking like four of us here. Like, and you're fucking getting sensitive about this shit. And I like threw the mic down and just was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Cause it was just that, it was that shit where I was just like, I don't, I don't need to fucking deal with this shit. You know what I mean? Where you're like, there's fucking like four or five people there and someone's turning the goddamn PA system off on you. He eventually like apologized for it. He was like, yeah, I got weird about that gay joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cause that one was just frustrating as shit. Cause it was already like just an awful show. And then I got this guy like turning off the PA system on me. And he was like also a comic at the time. So, so was, was he on the show? Yeah, it was like an open mic. Oh, I oh, fuck that. I did a show Friday in Syracuse. Yeah. And I'm doing a joke. And right before the show, this person, I don't know. I'm going to say it wrong. I think it's a trans person, but I don't know. I didn't. I don't have confirmation. We never really talked. So, <laughs> but pinkish purple hair. Yeah. Up and asked me if I needed help setting up. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. So I sat down and I host a show and it's an old joke that I have. And it's really, it's funny, but it, like, it starts off as like, does anybody here name their penis? <laughs> and I'm like, I think you could tell a lot about a guy, by what he names it. If he gives it a masculine name, like Bruno or Atlas, he's clearly overcompensating. Yeah. Uh, if he gives it a, a, a female name, <clears throat> like you would a car, he's probably more interested in your brother. And uh, then the next line is, uh, all I'm saying is that I don't know a whole lot of straight guys who named their dick Charlene. Right after that line, this person booed me. And I was like, and it was right at the end of the set. And I go, just boo me? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, why? It's homophobic. I said, no, it's not. And just went on. And I was fuming. <laughs> that is like, a- I was just like, no, it's not. And they're like, okay. <laughs> That's a wonderful way to deal with it, to be honest. I'm just like, no. Well, I was so mad. Like, like the end of the set went well and everything. I recovered, but I'm like, but it was it's frustrating because like there was like maybe 40 seconds left in that joke. And then I had one more joke, quick joke. And I'm like, you couldn't have waited a minute and talked to me afterward. But I got to my phone and I was texting my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm like, if you break that down, the joke is about how insecure straight men are yeah. that they wouldn't even name their dick a woman's name. <laughs> but I'm like, so no. But that person wanted to be offended yeah you know i was like okay let's let's because uh they booed somebody else too later and i'm like all right why are you here why are you here then like if you're, <laughs> if you're not going to be part of, and then we found out that that they go to open mics in rochester new york as a comedian yeah I'm like i have no respect for any comedian who goes in the audience and boos other comedians and heckles them or whatever i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you oh yeah dude i uh fucking I like spazzed out one time because I was doing a joke about I forget what the joke was about, but it had to do with uh, I was working on it for a couple of weeks and it had to do with McDonald's when they brought back all day when they are not brought back. I think they did it for the first time all day breakfast. Yeah, I honestly forget what the fucking joke was about. But um, because, yeah, I went to this spot. I went to this one spot often and uh no, I'm just I'm just deciding if I want to say no, because I like them now. We don't have to say where it was. Um, I would go to this one open mic and a lot of the dudes there like they're cool dudes, but they would be a lot more pretentious about shit. It would be yeah. a lot of those like pretentious guys. And then they go up and they eat their fucking ass on stage. 
And you're like, you can't give me shit for being like, you know, I'm not a jock, but I feel like I have jockey energy for the context of comedy. You know what I mean? That sounded cringy as shit coming out of my mouth. I hate, my, <laughs> I hate myself now, actually. But I'm just I'm comparing myself to these guys and like I'm not a jock, but to these guys, I might as well fucking be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, just on record, I want everyone to know I hated myself for that sentence. Um, <laughs> no. So they would like I remember they would do it to like me and other people like that more often where they would like like just be fucking cunts about your fucking joke. And then they'd go up with their seven layer of irony, like fucking witty horse shit. That would get a couple chuckles and you'd be like, you don't no one laughs at you. You can't talk shit, dude. No one's laughing at you. And then I remember I was doing this one joke about I kept saying all day breakfast and they they didn't approve of the joke of it being of a high high enough brow. And then after like the third or fourth week of me trying this joke at this open mic, like one of the dudes in the back just starts going like all day breakfast all day and i just fucking snap and i go yo when you're up here doing your fucking dog shit fucking ironic whatever references or whatever fuck i shut the fuck up so when i'm on stage i was like shut your goddamn fucking mouth da 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 or all this and that and then like later the dude like came up to me and it was just like yo dude i was just trying i'm really sorry and i was like yeah dude you better fucking be shut the fuck up during my set (laughs) because it's one thing if an audience member does that i wouldn't have the same reaction but if like if you call yourself a comic and like you do that shit it's fucking crazy to me man like obviously depending on the open mic and stuff like that there's different rules but like especially if it's a real show but like genuinely speaking it's like it that's crazy to do i don't know i also i'm a little bit of a hothead with that shit because like i said I'm so like fucking about right or wrong, but in the context of comedy, that's fucking wrong. And I feel very justified to fucking wild out on you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You performed at Skankfest recently, right? Yeah. How was that? It was fantastic. It was fucking great. Fucking, uh, it was magical. Like, I don't want to be too fucking gay about it, but it was like, goddamn, it was great, man. It was so cool. Like I get people online like tweeting at me like last episode was really funny or you see YouTube comments where you're like, oh, you guys, you know, funny podcast, this and that. But then to actually like like to actually like have fucking <laughs> like I was walking by and I was walking by and some drunk dude just goes, Andy Malafarina. <laughs> I was like, and now let's be real. That happened maybe three times. You know what I mean? Like I was hanging out with fucking Gardenia bunch and fucking Lamera bunch. And I could barely have a conversation with those two dudes. People fucking love them. But to just have even like a little bit of that, I, I just felt so, and I'm not trying to like overstate it and I'm not trying to blow smoke up fans ass or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Cause like dudes do this to try to get more Patreon subs and shit like that. Like I'm trying to express that I'm very genuine. Like it blew my mind. Like I, I can't explain how grateful I was of that. Cause it's like, I don't know, man, people try to act like fake humble all the time. And it's like, I I'm into comedy to like, you know, make some great material, make people laugh and like fucking just do some cool shit with my friends. But also I want a little bit of the razzle dazzle. Right. <laughs> and it's I, it's got to be honest, like, don't get me wrong. I have a lot more famous friends who they get that every five seconds. And that looks exhausting. <laughs> that looks fucking exhausting. But I got to be honest, it's fucking crazy. That kind of shit is fucking crazy. I can't express how much I appreciate that and how great that makes me feel. Because that's what I'm trying to do, man. I'm just trying to like fucking 
Well, first off, I'm trying to I'm trying to make all this fucking joke bullshit into a money making scheme. Like I'm trying to trick people into giving me money to like be funny publicly, but also at the same time, like, you know, you start to realize like, oh, yeah, dude, people fucking like they're at their shitty job all day and me getting drunk and goofing off with my friends for two hours a week. It makes that two hours better. You know what I mean? And you're just like. Yo, I want you to be so fucking happy, dude. <laughs> like now, whenever I do this shit, I was like, I know a couple of our fans by name. You know what I mean? They tweet at me so often and shit like that. You know, you'll do like there's this one dude on Twitter. Uh, he goes by Black Mark. And I remember he fucking tweeted at us about some shit. And you're just like, I, I'll tweet one of my buddies. I'll be like, Black Mark, like the new episode, guys. You know what I mean? Because we're at a point where it's like much more personal. So it's like it's a, it's just a fucking honor, man. You know, because these people devote so much to the comedy community and to be able to like fucking, you know, them to like your shit enough to want to give you some money and to listen every week and to cut out a slight because there's a lot of shit to do during the day and they decide to cut out at least one to two hours of their week to give a fuck about us so like i'm just endlessly grateful for that shit so Skankfest, to say the least was overwhelming in the most positive way possible well from everything i've heard about it it's like if you like straight comedy that's where you go well that's the thing it's like from a person like me who's just starting to get fucking people giving a shit about the stuff he does to just from a peer like like they always joke like there's always jokes all the time that like you know like gas digital isn't working i know they have problems with their app or something like that well they don't have the app right now but when they used to have the app they would have problems people will make jokes about the website crashing or whatever but like i think this goes out to mainly like christina and rebecca who run it but like it was it was very well run like as an artist there as a comic there, you felt like they gave a shit about you. You know what I mean? Like the green room was always stacked. It was very organized. It was easy to like figure your shit out. I forget what the fuck it was, but there was something that was, there was some shit that was like a little screwy in the green room and they very quickly like fixed it and stuff like that. You know, you know, shit like that. They show a lot of love to the comics. And then on top of that, they just book all the best comics. So you could just pop into a room and you're like, Oh, David tells just, doing some jokes <laughs> or just fucking, you know, and also to even like the newer, well, not completely newer, but sort of the people who are making their way into sort of more of the higher ring of comedy, like shout out Zach Amico and Ian finance. They were doing by guys. And like, I popped in for that. I didn't see the dad meet half, which I heard a bunch of people were saying was fucking wild. But like, I saw, I saw the second half of that where they had the you fucked it guys, Sixer and Shaner. And it was bro, it was like one of the funniest hours of anything I've ever seen. Like you just you just get the so even like the people who aren't as like the top tier as say like someone like Dan Soda or David mm-hmm. Tell or fucking Big J or whatever like that, even the people sort of in the slightly below top or in the middle or whatever, you walk into a room because they're just booking the best fucking comics. So you could walk into any room and just see some crazy shit. You know, shout out to the fucking stoner dad boys, Butterly Sid and uh, McCusker. They were doing some crazy. Oh, and fuck it. I found out Sam Talents, the coolest guy ever. I got to meet him. He was a very, very nice man. And I saw him on I, I was watching him on dad meet. I was watching him on stoner dads. Because that's the other part of it, too. You know, you get to meet a lot of people you never met before. So I got to fucking I got to link up with Sam Talent. And he seems like a really, really fucking cool dude. One of the funniest fucking dudes I've seen in a while. You get to do a lot of fun shit, man. What's next for you? Like, do you have any big picture plans or are you just uh, riding it right now? 
Yeah, big thing for me is I really want to, I just really want to focus on building up a lot of the podcast stuff because that's kind of one of like, it's like the other half of like the shit I like to do the most. I really like to do stand up comedy, but I got into this because, like I told you, I was a big ONA fan. Yeah. And I just enjoy, I hate calling it an art form, but just like whatever, because it's like we all have conversations. But like a podcast is much different than a conversation. It's why people get obsessed with them. On the surface, they're just people sitting around talking into microphones. But there's much more of a purpose to it than just like a conversation. Not that you can't get into some fucking deep conversations with people. But there's this like implied undertone when you're doing a podcast that just brings more out of people. So like I got into it because I really like the art of radio and shit like that. And then I realized I really like to do stand up comedy. So I, I'm having a lot of fun with panties just in general, not the podcast. No, um, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having a lot of fun with panties in the mouth. And it's really cool to see. Like, I remember when we first started it, a new episode would drop and we would get about in a week, we'd get about 100 views. And now if you go on YouTube, we'll like drop the episode and then we'll wake up in the morning and it'll be at like two or three hundred. Wow. You know what I mean? So like that gets me excited because I've been working. I've been working at this shit for a while. And this is like the first thing that's really like sort of caught on. So it's like very exciting to see that. I want to build that stuff up because I think I don't know. I I think that's just sort of like a good route because you saw it with the pandemic, like when they took stand up away. It was like, who are the people that were still fucking hitting? It was all the people that had huge online audiences and, uh, you know, big Patreons and stuff like that. So I think there I do really want to, you know, I always want to keep doing stand up and get better at that and write new jokes and all that shit. Because if you build up the podcast and you get a bunch of people coming out to live shows, we better have fucking jokes to tell them. But I, yeah, I do. I've been getting very excited about the podcasting because panties has always been good, but it's been the last couple months have been some of the best episodes we ever done. I'm doing my music podcast, Drag the Lake, and that's starting to like come into its own. And we, me and my, me and my buddy Pat George, who do that, like we've been really figuring out a good angle with that. And then I just I just started a solo podcast called No More Heroes, which I just put out the first episode of that today. And I'm figuring out a good groove. And it's just I don't know. It's just like the podcasting stuff just gets me very excited because I've I've been trying I've been like toying around with it for fucking ever, and now I'm just like locked into exactly what I want to do with that. So. That stuff makes me excited because if you look at like who the biggest comics are, you know, it's like fucking Bill Burr, Andrew Schultz, Tim Dillon, fucking Shane Gillis, uh, Legion of Skanks Boys, all those guys. They're like some of the biggest comics. And it's like, what do they all have in common? They all have in common, like big podcasts and stuff like that. So that's yeah. And then you look at, you know, and it's this thing where I'm not trying to like neglect comedy or anything, but you look at some of these comp like there's like a million dudes in New York who are some of the greatest comics ever, but they don't, they're like, they don't have a strong podcast presence or something like that. So they're going to go fucking like unnoticed to the wider audience of the country or the world or whatever the fuck like that. So I want to keep doing stand up, obviously, but I just in general get excited about the podcast shit because like on the surface, like with me, Nate and Lemaire doing pains in the mouth, it just like, we sit down I drink too many beers. They smoke too much weed. And we just talk about like (laughs) pussy and fucking dumb shit. And we will bring up a news story and figure out how to call it gay and like dumb shit like that. But then you start digging deeper and you start realizing like, I'm not trying to like fucking blow smoke up our own asses, but like you can't get what we have anywhere else. The same way as like you can't get dad meat anywhere else. You know, dad meat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get dad meat anywhere else because like, 
you can only have that relationship on dad meat. You can only have the relationship of Matt and Shane on Matt and Shane. You can only have the relationship of Legion of Skanks on that show because, like, they all started at the beginning. We all start, like, I met LaMare six months in. I, I met Nate, like, two months in. The podcast we make, you can only have in that specific scenario. So on the surface, it looks like a bunch of fucking uh, drunk, high idiots talking about pussy. But in actuality, every week, you're getting a very, like, unique experience of, like, these three friends with these three specific lives in this very specific scenario just talking about shit you know what i mean and the audience the audience has to feel part of that yeah once you start listening a bunch you start to realize like you're getting a a unique product you know what i mean and we're we're also a part of this like because i feel like the hangout podcast is becoming a lot more popular now like you just chilling with your boys i just think that we're we're sort of a part of that i don't know if there's like a wave or anything right now i feel like it's a little more prevalent but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I just think it, I just <laughs> no. I just feel something. I just feel something cool happening because it sort of started with like Matt and Shane. And then you started to see it with dad meat get so popular because like they weren't really doing stand up. You know what I mean? Like when they started podcasting, they weren't really doing stand up, but they still got big and they just got big because fucking dudes were listening and they were like, yo, Tim and Mike rule. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's it. They were just like, yo, Tim and Mike rule. So there's this interesting thing. You see that with uh, you fucked it. You see that with two Jack bros. You see that with those type of podcasts where they just were like, oh, we just want dudes. And in case of two Jack bros, sit in his lovely wife. But like, we just want dudes who are just fucking they're just hanging out and they're just shooting the shit and they're just being real. They're just trying to be fucking funny. There's no extra goofy shit. They're just trying to be funny. I feel like we're a part of it and it's very cool. And I'm honored. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Well, I really, I got a kick out of getting to know you. Uh, yeah, man. I got a kick out of doing this. You, yeah. You're a fun dude. <laughs> well, so are you. Hey, uh, thank you. <laughs> if you're ever in Pittsburgh, uh, try for Manny Brothers Sandwich. I, I will. It goes. I will. Uh, and then I will be putting every kind of chip on my sandwich. Also, <laughs> also uh, you reminded me, the next time I go to Arby's, I'm going to put some curly fries in my roast beef and cheddar. It might hit, right? Dude, it definitely does. Especially because they got they got that like semi. It's not spicy, but it's like it's got a little bit more of a kick than regular well, French fry seasoning. Well, what you what you got to do is you got to put the RB sauce on it too. Yeah, that makes it. Like, you know what I would love actually? What's Get that? a Chick Fil A sandwich, Chick Fil A sauce, put Arby's fries on that. We don't have Chick Fil A up here. Oh, Otherwise, I would. Yeah, there. I almost went today, but I realized it was fucking Sunday. Oh, that's the worst part of Chick-fil-A, you know, aside for the homophobia. Fucks. No, that's the, that's my favorite part. That makes the sandwiches taste better, actually. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I was, I was at Popeye's Day. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. You guys are open Sunday. I see you, sinners. <laughs> well, again, man, thank you so much for doing this. And Thank ta- you so much for having me, man. Yeah, I'll talk to you in a bit. wings off Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I hope they let me in